0: Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Wetcombe. It was an ordinary night in the city of Paris, France, on Saturday, May 26, 2018. Along the Rue Marx Dormoy, a steady stream of traffic passed unhindered on the road, and the usual Saturday crowds filled the sidewalks and cafes. But at around 8 p.m., something happened that brought the busy street to a standstill. A little four-year-old boy, left at home alone by his parents, wandered onto the balcony of their fourth-story flat overlooking the rue Marx dormoy With no one supervising the child, he accidentally stumbled off the balcony and was left dangling from the edge, high above the ground. Hanging on for his life, the child had only minutes left before he would certainly lose his grip and fall to his death. The little boy cried out in terror. A neighbor noticed the child hanging for his life and started shouting for help. Crowds gathered on the street below and cars stopped in the road as people watched in horror. It seemed that there was nothing anyone could do but wait for the child to drop and die. But then, an unexpected hero came to the rescue. 22-year-old Mamadou Gassama from Mali happened to be walking on the Rue Dormoy and heard the cries for help. When he saw the child hanging on for his life, he leapt into action. With nothing but his bare hands, Kasama scaled the outside of the building, clambering from balcony to balcony in just 30 seconds. He reached the fourth floor balcony, swung his left leg over the edge, and grabbed the four-year-old boy by the hand. Then, in one final heroic move, Kasama lifted the boy over the ledge as he pulled himself onto the balcony. Against all odds, the little boy was rescued from certain death. As the crowd below cheered, Kusama carried the boy inside to safety. The reaction to this heroic rescue was instantaneous. Kusama was dubbed Spider-Man by the press, and video footage of the dramatic rescue was viewed by millions around the world. Suddenly, the illegal immigrant from Mali was being hailed as a national hero in France. President Macron warmly received the Malian to his residence where he gave Gassama an award for courage and promised him citizenship. It seemed that a hero had been born. But when you think about it, a hero was not created on that fateful night. Rather, a hidden hero had simply been revealed. The crisis didn't make Gossama a better person. It simply shone a light on who he already was inside listen to his own words about the rescue I just didn't have time to think I ran across the road to go and save him Gassama told President Macron during the meeting I just climbed up and thank God God helped me the more I climbed the more I had the courage to climb up higher that's it In other words, the courage and kindness that already existed inside Kasama were simply displayed during the crisis. He didn't have to think about what to do. He simply responded with the courage he had. The opportunity to rescue the child didn't change who he was. It simply brought out the true nature inside of him. And there's a powerful lesson for all of us in the inspiring true story of Mamadou Gassama from Mali. Oftentimes, we think that our greatest blessings will come in some sort of miraculous breakthrough from heaven. But God knows that our greatest blessings come as we become people who are ready to respond to him at all times. See, the fact is, men are always looking for better breakthroughs, but God is looking for better men. God is looking for men and women who have a courageous commitment to follow him. For when ordinary people follow God faithfully in their everyday life, it leads to a surprising blessing from God. That's certainly the truth we discover in the life of the man we're going to begin to study today. His name is Elisha, and we see him starting out very ordinary, but he ended up living an extraordinary life. In fact, his life and ministry are marked by a double anointing. And when we follow the principles from Elisha's life, we too can receive double, double from God. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you that you are looking for better men and better women. May we be those men and women you are looking for. May we respond to everyday life in faith and in faithfulness so that we can receive greater blessings to follow you. We ask you today to move in our hearts and lives. We submit to you now. I bind every voice that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to give us light and life, and to give us grace to be faithful in our everyday duties. We thank you now in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. I'd like to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine today, put your hand on your chest, and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, manifest your glory in me, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth for Today. It's great to have you here with me as we begin a new sermon series titled Double Double. Everybody say Double Double. For the next four weeks, we're going to study the life of Elisha, the prophet, from the Old Testament. Now, before we get started, you've got to remember that Elisha is different from Elijah. Their names sound similar, but they're two different men. Our sermon series is about Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. He was a prophet who trained under Elijah, but actually exceeded his mentor in miracles. In fact, the Bible records more miracles performed by Elisha than any other person except Jesus. And the reason we're calling this sermon series Double Double is because when Elijah was about to go to heaven and leave Elisha in charge of the ministry, Elisha asked for a double portion of anointing on his ministry. And as we read the story of Elisha, we find that God did exactly that. Elisha performed exactly double the miracles of his mentor, Elijah. And there's something we can all learn from that. You see, if you're seeking God for a double portion, you need to learn from Elisha. If you're asking God for more power, more grace, more miracles, more anointing, more of anything then you need to learn from Elisha. He's the man of the double-double. Everybody say double-double. So how did Elisha become the man of the double-double? Well, the surprising truth is he didn't start out that way. In fact, he began as a seemingly ordinary guy. But as we look at his story, we're going to discover that there was more than meets the eye with Elisha. Now to help us learn the truth from this man of God, we've prepared sermon notes. The notes are available free of charge on my website and on all my social media platforms. So I invite you to take them out now and follow along with me as we discover the truth about Elisha's double portion. And there at the top of your notes, you'll find our scripture text for today. It's the story of how Elisha got his start ministry. It's found in 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21. I invite you to follow along with me on your notes or on the screen ahead of you as I read the text. Now receive the word of the Lord. Elijah went and found Elisha son of Shaphat plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts. In Jesus' name and everybody said amen. Our story of Elisha's rise to double anointing actually begins in a very unexciting way. Elisha was an ordinary guy plowing on the farm. He had no pedigree as a priest or a prophet. Look at his circumstances. He was plowing in the field. In fact, The Bible says, quote, Elisha was plowing with the 12th team, end quote. In other words, he was the last man plowing behind 24 cows. Elisha was plowing in a field following 24 cows. Think about this for a minute. I mean, this is not a glamorous position. Hey, I've been around cows enough to know the sights and smells and environment of cows. And it's not a pretty thing. What did Elisha see every day following behind 24 cows? This is what he saw. Cow bottoms. What did he smell every day? Cow dung. What did he walk in every day? Cow dung and mud. Hey, honestly speaking, this does not seem like a very good start to a life that would perform miracles. This doesn't seem like the arena for a double anointing. But the fact is, what we see... And what God has planned are two different things. There's no connection between what you see in the natural today and what God has planned in the spiritual. That's why you cannot walk by natural sight. You have to walk by the vision of the supernatural. You may be walking behind cow bottoms, but God has a greater purpose for your life. Somebody say amen. So let me ask you a question. What vision are you looking at right now? Do you possess a vision of the supernatural or are you staring at cow bottoms? Do you see God's greater purpose even in the midst of the everyday or are you focused on the natural environment that surrounds you? See the problem is this, when you lose your vision of God's greater purpose, the mundane produces mediocrity. When you lack vision, the everyday lacks excellence. The routine becomes a rut. The ordinary is simply ordinary. And some of you are in a situation right now where you're staring at cow bottoms. You go to work every day with the same people every day, with the same problems every day, and you say, I'm staring at cow bottoms. You get up, take a bath, drink your cocoa, brush your teeth. I hope you brush your teeth. Get in the car, fight the traffic, get to work. And it's cow bottoms, cow bottoms, cow bottoms. Then you get in your car, fight the traffic, go home, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed. The next day you get up, take a bath, drink your cocoa, brush your teeth. I hope you brush your teeth. Get in the car, fight the traffic, get to work. And it's cow bottoms, cow bottoms, cow bottoms. Then you get in your car, fight the traffic, go home, eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed. The next day, well you get it. All day, every day, the same old, the same old. And in the midst of daily life, It's easy to lose sight of your destiny. It's easy to lose your commitment to pursuing God. But even though Elisha is in the drudgery of daily duty, he never loses his commitment to following God. When the call comes, he is ready. In fact, the call from God doesn't make Elisha committed. He's called because he's already committed. Elisha didn't become a hero when Elijah threw his mantle on him. He's already a hero serving God in the ordinary duties of life. The call simply gives him the opportunity to display his commitment. So today, let's follow the path of Elisha as we learn the three elements of courageous commitment. And here's your first truth today. Courageous commitment does whatever needs to be done. Look again at 1 Kings 19:20. The Bible says, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, I will go with you. Elisha didn't become committed to God when he was called. He was already committed to God by being faithful in the everyday life. And here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. God knows that if you're committed in everyday natural duties of life, you will be committed in the eternal spiritual duties of his kingdom. That's why Jesus said in Luke 16 10, If if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. Look, friend, if you can be faithful following cow bottoms, God knows you will be faithful performing miracles. When you're faithful at work, faithful at home, faithful at school, and faithful at church, you will attract the attention of heaven. And that's why it's so important that you remain faithful in the daily duty of life. For the road to the double-double life passes through the demands of daily duty. God often comes to us in the ordinary, everyday circumstances of life. And when you're faithful in those daily demands, you will attract the attention of heaven. God is looking for people like Elisha who are faithful even when they're following cow bottoms. That's why 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord go around looking in all the earth for people who are faithful to him so that he can make them strong. And that's why it's so important to be faithful, even when you think it's not important. It's important to do whatever needs to be done, even if there seems to be no benefit to you. It's your response when you think no one is watching that sets you apart. Anyone can behave when they know the boss is watching, but who you are when no one is in sight shows who you really are. Once there was a factory manager who got wind of a secret visit from the company president. The factory manager realized he had an opportunity to make a good impression on his boss. The only problem was that the factory was a mess. The manager had allowed junk and rubbish to pile all up. There was no time to carry it all off the premises. So the manager quickly ordered his staff to carry all the junk and rubbish and pile it up on the roof. Then he sat down to await the arrival of the president. But what the factory manager didn't know is that the company president was planning to arrive in his helicopter. And when he came with his helicopter, he wanted to land on the roof of the factory. And so the first thing the company president saw was all the junk and rubbish that the manager had stacked up on the roof. He came in and sat the factory manager. So let me ask you a question today. Do you have junk on your roof? God sees it all, and maybe you lack the anointing because there's junk on your roof. Do what it takes to get rid of the rubbish and get right with God. Do whatever it takes to be faithful in the little. God wants to give you a double portion, but he needs your faithfulness. For God calls, but you have to respond. God gives, but you have to receive. God pours out double-double, but you have to possess it in faithfulness. We see this same truth in the story of the children of Israel as they entered the promised land. God told Israel he had given them the land. Now, he says, go up and possess it. Listen to Deuteronomy 1.8. I have given you this land. Go in. And take possession of the land. In verse 21 it says. The Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it. As the Lord the God of your ancestors told you. So God gave them a promise. Of a land of their own. God gave them the promise. And a vision of what he would do. And God miraculously brought his people. Through the river Jordan. Into the land of Canaan. But the story didn't end there. The story doesn't end with the promise. In fact The promise was just the beginning. The people of Israel didn't just camp by the riverside and stay there. They didn't just taste a little of the goodness of the land and leave it at that. There was an entire land to occupy. There was an entire vision to fulfill. There was a nation to build. And that required possessing their inheritance. They had to occupy. They had to possess. They had to drive out the enemies and get rid of the junk. And so it is for us. We have an inheritance in God's kingdom. We have promises so great, it's more than we could ask or think. But all too often, we just get a little taste, a little touch, and we settle for that. Oh, friends, there's a whole kingdom to occupy. There's a whole Bible full of God's promises and vision for your life. So I say to you today, don't settle for less. Don't stop halfway to the goal. Don't accept anything other than your destiny in Christ. For God is going to do something in you. And God is going to do something in us. If only we will learn to possess our inheritance and to do that you have to fight you have to fight to possess your possession you have to strive to enter the promised land the vision of God for your life won't come to pass by you sitting down waiting you have to arise and believe in God's promise the problem is not with God the problem is with your lack of courageous commitment today people want everything instantly This is the microwave generation, even in the church. But it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. Do the first things first. Do whatever is needed, even if it seems insignificant. For remember, 95% of God's work does not require a microphone. You miss so many opportunities for blessing because you refuse to do whatever is needed. You say you want to go and preach the gospel to thousands of people in a crusade, but you won't even serve in the children's department at your church. You say you want to be used of God to prophesy and cast out devils, but you won't even let God use you where you are in your local church under your pastor. Start by serving as an usher. Start by serving as a prayer warrior. Do whatever is required where you are with what you have, and God will raise you up when you're faithful that's the lesson we can learn from the international footballer Nikola Kolinic Nikola Kolinic is a Croatian professional footballer who played as a striker for Italian club AC Milan and for the Croatian national team at least he used to play for the Croatian national team until he got sent home in 2018. You see, in 2018, Kalinic was in Russia for the World Cup along with the rest of the Croatia national team. But for some reason, the coach decided not to start Kalinic. In fact, Kalinic was left on the bench throughout most of Croatia's opening match against Nigeria. Then, in the 85th minute, with Croatia ahead of Nigeria 2 0, the coach called on Kalinic to enter the match. We don't know exactly why, but Colin refused to enter the match. Perhaps he felt that playing for the final few minutes was an insult. Maybe he felt angry that his skills and talents weren't featured more prominently. Or maybe he just didn't feel fit to play. But for whatever reason, Colin refused to play. So the coach turned to another player and sent him in. After the match, Kolinich refused to apologize despite appeals from the coaching staff. So the coach sacked Kolinich from the team and sent him home from Russia. Kolinich was stubborn. He flew for holidays and posted selfies of himself enjoying his holiday while his teammates continued their World Cup run. After all, he may have thought Croatia won't go anywhere in the tournament. But somehow without him, the team managed to win their matches. They won their group. Then they kept on winning all the way into the World Cup final. And they did it all without Kolynyk. Croatia accomplished their greatest football achievement in history, reaching the World Cup final for the first time ever. As you can imagine, the remaining 22 players left on the team became national heroes. Their names are forever inscribed in the hearts of a generation. But it was too late for Colin The foolishness of his anger and pride were revealed to the world. If he'd been willing to do whatever was needed and to pay any price, he too would be a national hero. Instead, his name is synonymous with disgrace. Tell your neighbor, don't be a each. See, here's what you need to know about Elisha. Elisha's path to the double-double was through service, When he was called, the first thing he did was wash Elijah's hands for years. 2 Kings 3.11 says, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Between his first encounter with Elijah and his last encounter with Elijah, there was a lot of service, a lot of daily duties, a lot of demands, a lot of hand washing. There must have been a lot of times that Elisha wondered why he was pouring water on the hands of a prophet instead of prophesying himself. There must have been times he felt frustrated holding the mantle of the prophet instead of wearing the mantle of the prophet. But because he did whatever needed to be done, he was rewarded with greatness. And that's exactly what Jesus promises you in Matthew 23:11. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that truth brings us to our second element of courageous commitment. Courageous commitment gives whatever needs to be given. Our story continues in 1 Kings 19:21. The Bible says, "Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to all the townspeople and they all ate. Think about this for a minute. After receiving the call, Elisha goes back and surrenders everything to God. He burns the plow. He kills the ox and roasts the meat. He burns the bridges and gives it all up. There's no plan B. There's no option to go back. It's all or nothing to follow God. Elisha may not have seen all that God was going to do with him, but he saw God's greater purposes. He may not have known what the future held, but he knew God held his future in his hands. And when the call came, He gave up all to pursue that purpose. He burnt the plow and slaughtered the cow as a sign that he would never go back to his ordinary life. For the fact is, when you get a vision of God's greater purposes for your life, you'll give up anything. You'll give up everything in this life to capture the prize of his high calling. Elisha knew what you and I must know today. God gives the most to those who hold on to the least. God will hold back nothing from those who withhold nothing from God. That's the truth we discover from Luke 18, 28 to 30. Listen carefully to the conversation between Peter and Jesus. Peter said, look, we've left everything we had and followed you. Jesus said, I can promise that everyone who's left their home, wife, brothers, parents, or children for God's kingdom will get much more than they left. They will get many times more in this life, and in the world that is coming, they will get the reward of eternal life. Listen carefully to what Jesus said. Everyone, everybody, everyone who surrenders something valuable to God will receive much more in this life plus eternal life to come. Simply put, you cannot outgive God. I can personally testify of the blessings of God that come when you pay whatever price is needed to follow Jesus. I've served the Lord in full-time ministry since January 1977. For 45 years, I've seen God supply. I've seen God bless. I've had to pay a price. I've had to surrender all. I've had to yield and give and sacrifice. But God is no man's debtor. His double, double blessing comes on the obedient. And surrender isn't just a one-time event. You may be called continually to surrender valuable things to God. You have to continually lay down your plans, your ideas, your dreams. You even have to put your ministry on. On the altar and surrender it. Put the plow on the altar and burn it. Kill the ox and give them away. But listen, friends, the call to surrender isn't just for apostles and prophets. The call to surrender all isn't for pastors and anointed men of God alone, it's for all people of God. That's why the Apostle Paul speaks to everyone in Romans 12.1. So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Consider what he has done. It is only right that you should worship him in this way. And if you're going to walk in double, double anointing, you have to be surrendered. You may be walking behind cow bottoms, but you have to remain faithful. You have to lay everything at the feet of Jesus and surrender to him. For God reveals his will to those with a willing heart. That's the lesson we can learn from another prophet in the Old Testament, the prophet Samuel. Listen to the story of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3:1, 7, and 10. The boy Samuel was Eli's helper and served the Lord with him. At that time, the Lord did not speak directly to people very often. There were very few visions. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the Lord had not yet spoken directly to him. The Lord came and stood there. He called as he did before saying, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, speak. I am your servant and I am listening. In this story, the people of Israel were backslidden. They turned away from God. But the Lord looked down on a small boy named Samuel and saw that his heart was tender. His heart was willing. His heart was yielded. He saw a willing heart and he revealed his will to that willing heart. And the same is true for you. God speaks to every one of us today. God is speaking all the time, but many of us are not listening. It's time to turn your heart to God, to seek the Lord and hear his voice that you might know his will. If you want a double portion, you have to be responsive to the supernatural. Your response to the supernatural determines the atmosphere of your life. Elisha was ready for the call because he responded to God. The atmosphere changed from cow bottoms to prophetic mantle when he answered the call. And that brings us to our third element of courageous commitment. Courageous commitment goes wherever God leads. Listen to what happened to Elisha when he answered God's call. In verse 21, the Bible says, Then he went With Elijah as his assistant. So Elisha obeyed always. And the key to the double portion. Is to always do what you're told. Go where God leads. Follow his commands. Do what he says. And stick to the path. People may pressurize you. For you to do their will. But you need to listen to God. And God alone ask him Lord. When should I go? Where should I go? What should I do? And that's what sets Elisha apart from all the others. Believe it or not. Elisha was not Elijah's first servant. No. The Bible tells us that in earlier days, Elijah had another servant. We don't know his name. We don't ever see him accomplishing anything, even though he was in the presence of great anointing. Elijah's first servant was there when Elijah called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. Elijah's first servant saw firsthand the miraculous and the prophetic through Elijah. But when Jezebel threatened Elijah, his first servant stopped following him and ran away. When the times got tough, the first servant fell behind. Maybe he wanted to go and start his own ministry. Maybe he thought he could do it better on his own. Maybe he was from the political party of Jezebel. Maybe he was tired of serving. But for whatever reason, the first servant of Elijah faded away, and we never know his name or hear from him again. And so the call to serve Elijah came to Elisha instead. And unlike the first servant, Elisha never gave up and never looked back. He knew what he needed to do to achieve the vision, remain faithful, stick to the task, and ask big. Even when he didn't understand the plan, Elisha remained faithful obedient even when it didn't look promising Elisha remained obedient even when he was washing hands instead of performing miracles and prophesying Elisha remained faithful and the same thing is required from you That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. The Spirit of God is saying to you, Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. You don't have to understand fully to obey completely. If your obedience is limited to what you understand, you will never experience all that God has for you. The fact is, you can never... Fully understand all that God has for you. You have to obey in faith. His power at work in us is greater than what we comprehend. His destiny for you is greater than what you can ask or think. For Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So do what God says and you'll get what God promises. Go where God leads, and you'll experience his blessing. You have to step out in faith and make a courageous commitment. Many years ago, a good friend of mine named Mark Beacom was looking for work. He received two job offers. But before he took any decision, Mark prayed and asked God which job to choose. One offer looked better than the other offer. The logical thing would have been to take the better-looking offer. But God told Mark to take the offer that didn't look as good. Mark didn't understand, but he obeyed. Later on, the company of the better-looking job ended up going out of business. And the less desirable job ended up ushering great blessings to Mark and his wife, Shelley. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. The good is the enemy of the best. Some of you are facing a choice right now between what is good in the natural and God's best that you don't understand. Elisha had to give up good things to get to the best thing. The ox and plow were good things, but God had something better. And when you follow God, wherever he leads, you'll always have the best God can give you. Elisha persevered in faithful surrender to God. He didn't get ahead of God. He didn't fall behind. And the heavens opened to him. God poured out a double, double portion of on Elisha's life. That's what we see as we come to the end of the opening chapter of Elisha's story. When the time was approaching for Elijah to be taken into heaven, he tried to get Elisha to remain behind. 3 times Elijah told Elisha to remain behind. But Elisha knew this was a test of his courageous commitment. So every time he was asked to stay behind, he refused. In 2 Kings 2:6 the Bible says, "Then Elijah said to Elisha, "Stay here. For the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Elisha pursued and would not turn back. And then the Bible says in 2 Kings 2, 9 and 10, When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor you've asked a difficult thing Elijah replied if you see me when I'm taken from you then you will get your request but if not then you won't so Elisha asks for a ministry twice as great as Elijah's ministry This was no small request. Even Elijah acknowledged this was a difficult thing. In verse 10 he says, You've asked for a difficult thing. Elisha could easily have been happy with a ministry just like his mentor. After being delivered from the plow and the cow bottoms, Elisha could have just been content to serve Elijah all his days. But Elisha has a vision of the greater potential of his life. He's not willing to settle for mediocrity or second best. And Elisha receives a double portion because he would not give up. He would not turn back. He would not settle for the good in place of God's best. He kept on following, kept on obeying, kept on serving, kept on surrendering. He was hungry for God and God met him. Listen to the first miracle God gave Elisha in 2 Kings 2, 13 to 14. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. So the last miracle of Elijah became the first miracle of Elisha. Because he was faithful to obey and follow, he began where his mentor ended his father's finishing point became his starting point may your father's finishing point become your starting point may you begin where your mentor ended may you excel beyond your predecessors may you go further than any other that came before you that's what god wants for you for in second corinthians 3 8 he asks us this question shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life. Shouldn't you expect more miracles than Elisha had? Shouldn't you expect more of God now that Christ has come? Shouldn't you expect more power now that you have the Holy Spirit? I'm not willing to settle for anything less. I'm not willing to play church. I'm not willing to live a mediocre life. I want more of God. And if you will make a courageous commitment Just like Elisha did You will see great time miracles You will experience God's presence Like never before God is willing Are you? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing to give whatever it takes? Are you willing to go Wherever God leads you? For the double double life starts here In the place Of courageous Commitment let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I loose the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to every heart and life today. For those who are struggling with their own understanding and their own way, I pray you come in and divinely rescue them from the good that is the enemy of the best. Right now, Father, I pray every fear, every doubt, every unbelief, every low self-esteem, Every denial of your vision and your power in our lives, I command you, go in the name of Jesus. And I loose the spirit of the living God, the spirit of life and liberty, the spirit of power and faith, the spirit of holiness to come and consume us that we might have courageous commitment. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7:30, 9:30, or 11:30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here all day.